0: This is the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC, and today I'm talking about finding safety in an unsafe world. It's a big topic. There have been a lot of horrible things in the news lately. Just yesterday there was another mass shooting. Terrible things are always happening violence, hatred, fear, oppression. They all seem to go together, don't they? Is it inevitable? Is this just how our world is? These are scary times. Scary things are going on. We're more aware than ever before of our shared humanity. Has it gotten worse or was it always like this? Globalization is bringing our world together. Our young people are growing up learning that people all over the world share the same feelings of wanting to be safe and free. I remember when I was a child of about nine years old reading a short news article in our local newspaper. It said that a large number of people, I don't remember if it was a thousand, ten thousand, maybe even a hundred thousand people, had died when a landslide happened in East Asia. I wondered at the story, feeling sad and scared, and I was reassured by an adult in my life who told me, This is nature's way of correcting the overpopulation in that country. I know now that those humans who died were individuals with their own stories, their own hopes and dreams, just like me, just like you. Their lives mattered. But in that time, we were so detached from a reality of life different from our own here in the United States, that it could seem as if people in faraway places we never saw weren't actually humans like ourselves. Those people who lost their lives were not others. That concept creates an artificial distance between us as humans. Distancing ourselves from others' pain can be a way to help us feel safer, but it also creates disconnection. The people who died that day that I read about in that news article and everyone who's ever died before that and after, regardless of where they lived, what their culture was, their ethnicity, religion, gender, sexuality, sexual identity, skin color, hair color, eye color, what language they speak, or any other characteristic. Regardless of any of those differences, each person wanted safety, belonging, connection, and control over their own lives, just like you and I want. It's a human need. It's part of the human experience. So now, thanks to global 24-hour news and the Internet, we can see the devastation and pain when an earthquake or tsunami destroys a town or when flooding or tornadoes hit and people lose shelter and suffer injury or death. We see the humanity of those who are affected. We witness their pain and loss, and we can feel empathy for them and gratitude that we weren't directly impacted. But at the same time, it feels like too much. It's too painful. Watching and reading news of terrorist attacks around the world is so painful. We may want and need to turn away because the pain is too much for us to bear. We begin to fear that we may be at risk of experiencing the same pain and loss. What if terrorists attack here? How will we be safe? How can we keep our loved ones safe? I talk about this often with my clients. And please know if you have trauma, stories like this about tragedies can trigger your trauma symptoms and they can sneak up on you. I wrote a blog post for people who aren't sure if they may have trauma or not. And in the blog that goes with this podcast episode, you can click on it and find out if you may have trauma, even though you don't realize it. So when your trauma symptoms sneak up on you, suddenly, You just have a general sense of unease. You might not even notice anything's different, but suddenly you don't feel safe. Next thing you know, you've switched into autopilot. You're in survival mode. And when you're in this mode, you're not usually consciously aware of it. So check in with yourself. Have I been watching the news, hearing about terrorist attacks, and now I find myself more often absentmindedly checking Facebook obsessively checking my email, wanting to micromanage my kids or my spouse? Am I suddenly forgetting about my self-care? Do I feel stuck, immobilized? One way you can check in with yourself is a mindfulness body scan. And I'll just take you through it real quick. If you're driving, please don't do this while you're driving. Mindfulness is great, but you don't want to get too relaxed when you're driving. And so if that's the case, please stop listening now. (laughs) So where you are, whether you're sitting or standing, lying down as you listen to this, just take a moment to close your eyes or look down. Just check in with your body. Notice what your body is doing. Just starting at the top of your head. Do you have any feeling in your scalp? Your hair? What do you notice in your forehead? Is it tense? Relaxed? How do your eyes feel? Are you squinting? Are they open or closed? See if you can relax your eyes. Just let them float in your head. Notice the muscles in your face. What are your cheeks doing? Are your teeth clenched? Does your jaw feel tight or relaxed? How about your neck? Hold your head up all the time. How does it feel? Can you notice any sensations there? Tension? Pulling? Any pain? Discomfort? Any movement that you would like to make? How does your throat feel? Can you feel the breath moving in and out through your throat? Is your throat feeling relaxed, tense, scratchy, constricted? What about your shoulders? Are they up around your ears? Are they slumped? What's your posture like? Are you breathing deeply? Are you breathing shallowly? Are you holding your breath? What do you notice in your diaphragm? Is there a sense of movement or constriction? How about your abdominal area? Do you feel hungry? Full? Do you feel any sensations in your abdominal area as your food digests? Any pain? What about your legs? Do your muscles feel tense? Relaxed? Can you feel your legs under you? Are your legs supporting you right now? What are your arms doing? Do you feel any sensations there? Are your arms hanging down? Are they folded? Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and... Go to therapynotes.com and use promo code CHAT to get two free months. So this is a simple example of a body scan, which can help you check in with what's happening in your body. If you think your trauma symptoms might be triggered, scanning your body to check in with how present do you feel and what do you notice is a good way to Get yourself centered again and feel more grounded. And I'll talk a little bit more about that further along in this episode. So why do these bad things happen? The world's problems are so complex. Are the natural disasters we hear about caused by climate change? Well, if so, what can be done about that? Some are saying our planet isn't going to survive unless something changes. It's a terrifying thought. What can be done to protect the earth for our children's children? It can feel hopeless to think about it. I see these feelings of powerlessness to affect change as the result of our overwhelming anxiety and fear. In other words, although it may feel like a hopeless situation and you may feel powerless to make a difference, regardless of whatever the concern is, whether it's climate change, violence, whatever it is, that's not reality. The reality is you can take action if you want to change the way the world is. One of my very favorite quotes is by Margaret Mead, who said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. I find that so true, and it's very inspiring to me as a social worker. So using the example of climate change, if you feel worried about it, ask yourself, What one small change can I make that will have a ripple effect? Can you teach your children not to litter? Can you make a change in what you consume? Can you donate old clothing instead of throwing it out? Post a Facebook status that raises awareness of the problem? Make a donation to an organization that's working to address the problem? Volunteer to pick up litter on a road in your town one Saturday? Many of us are feeling fear and a sense of helplessness from the violence we see and hear about. Most recently, the terrorist attacks in Beirut and Paris this month have created fear that we won't be able to stay safe. With so much anger, hatred, violence, and talk of vengeance, are these problems ever going to get better? And will we be safe? I'll quote Martin Luther King Jr., who said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Our discussion about terrorism and violence in general tends to be overly simplistic. We break it down into good guys and bad guys. There are no good guys and bad guys. There's just us. We're all humans. We can do good things and we can do bad things. We look at people who do bad things with disgust and wonder, how can they be so cruel? Are they just bad people? Maybe they were born bad. How can they hurt others and seemingly not care? How can they be so heartless? It would seem that people who commit acts of terrorism actually take pleasure in hurting others, torturing them and seeing them suffer. This is incomprehensible to most of us. Yet some voices call loudly for vengeance here, saying the only way to solve the problem of terrorism to keep us, the good guys, safe is to blow them up, nuke them off the face of the earth, or capture them and torture them until they admit who their leaders are so we can kill them. Harsh, yes, but they deserve it for what they've done to the good guys. Bad guys deserve what they get. We hear a lot of bloodthirsty cries for justice, swift and deadly. I'll be clear. These are not my views. I feel that anyone who hurts someone else should be held accountable with a justice process that is fairly and evenly administered. But violence begets violence. If we react with vengeance instead of understanding the cause of the behavior and addressing that, we don't resolve the problem. You might not be surprised to hear me say that since I'm a therapist. It's always about understanding the cause of the behavior. Often people who use violence and vengeance to express their pain use their interpretation of religious directives to justify hateful and destructive behavior towards various groups based on ethnicity or culture. We, the good guys, know this is wrong. But xenophobia, which is the fear of what is strange or different, tends to be our knee-jerk reaction. How is that any different from the attitudes driving terrorists? So, what's the answer? Or is it just hopeless? I don't think it's hopeless, or I wouldn't be talking about it. The opposite of this hatred and fear is empathy and compassion. What if we believe that the people who commit acts of terrorism and violence are human beings like ourselves who feel justified in their actions? What if they think their behavior is justified because of their own desire for vengeance related to some hurt and pain they feel? What if we could look at the conditions that create whole groups of people who fear and hate other groups of people and address the underlying causes? I know that sounds complicated, but it really isn't as hard as it seems. Sociologists and other human behavior researchers have been studying the causes and solutions to these issues for years. What if we looked at the causes of violence, oppression, racism, misogyny, and actually address the underlying reasons for those attitudes and behaviors? And I'm not just talking about terrorism, I'm talking about here in our country too. Everywhere. What if we looked at each other as fellow humans, regardless of what makes us different from one another? Could we live more peacefully, feeling safer and having more freedom and ease if we were able to consider that everyone is doing their best in a given moment? I'm no better than you, and you're no better than me. What if we are all equally worthy of love, acceptance, and approval? Because whether or not we believe it, that's actually true. As humans, no one is better, and no one is less than another. How might things be if we actually live this way? As for feeling that we need to have some reassurance that we will stay safe and that nothing bad will happen to us or to the people we love, we don't get that. There is none. Bad things will happen. We will hurt. And we will get through them, and we can be okay. I used to believe that a good life is one in which I would always be happy or at least content and nothing bad would happen to me. I still want to believe that I can get through life feeling safe from pain and most importantly, that I won't lose the people I love. I don't know if any of you have felt this way, but I know I'm not alone in the feeling. I don't feel this way because it's how life is or how it's supposed to be. I feel this particularly deeply because of the fact that in my early years, I did experience loss of people who were most important to me. It took a long time for me to process how these losses affected me. So the worry about losing the most important people in my life comes from that early experience. Now that I know that, and now that I've processed the pain of that loss, I can live in the reality that nothing is certain. No matter what I do, there's really no way to insulate myself from the possibility that I might lose the people I love. In some small ways, my children growing up can be an experience of loss. It's a process of losing the close connection we've had their entire lives. It's tempting to try to hold on to them in a way that prevents them from becoming independent adults to serve my own desire to feel connected and loved. But that's actually not healthy for them or for me. Being conscious of that feeling of wanting to keep them close to fulfill my own needs keeps me in check, and I set boundaries on my role in their lives to create a healthy relationship. Setting boundaries, I'm defining that as what's okay and what's not okay with me, isn't just a one-time thing. As we all grow, the boundaries are redrawn. The relationship isn't static, so the boundaries must change too. So how do we live with the reality that we can't possibly prevent every bad thing from happening no matter what we do? How do we go through life and be okay even when something bad can happen that might take us by surprise? Well, one way to do it is to live your life worrying about every possible risk and taking steps to avoid it. I wouldn't recommend this strategy since it could eventually make you feel afraid to leave the house with no one wanting to be around you because you worry so much you make everyone else nervous. Another option is to pretend everything is fine, even though inside you're dreading the moment when everything falls apart. This strategy often leads to feeling disconnected from yourself because you get so good at ignoring that constant worry that you don't really know how you feel anymore. People who do this will sometimes say, I don't know who I am anymore. What do I like? I have no idea. Those of us who do this frequently find ourselves taking temporary comfort in numbing out through watching TV, becoming absorbed in social media, binge watching DVDs, compulsively eating, shopping, using sex, gambling, or substance abuse to escape. But does it make you feel safe? Not really. There will be loss. You will suffer at points. It's the human experience. So what does help? How can we go through life trying to be okay if we can't be 100% sure that nothing bad will happen to us or the people we love? For me, two things have helped. First, healing from the traumatic experiences of my life by working for much of my adult life, starting at age 29, to process my trauma from those early losses I mentioned and other painful experiences has helped me feel much safer in the world. The second part of my healing, and I share this in hopes that it will help you too, is implementing a self-care practice. The practice is just practicing being grounded. Being grounded means being in the present moment, in your body, right here and now. From what I've experienced personally and witnessed in others, any regular practice which makes you feel grounded is key to being present in your body, mindfully aware. I can say unequivocally that when I feel grounded and centered in my body, I feel safe and I'm not worried about anything happening to me or the people I love. I wrote a blog post with basic information about grounding, which you can read at a link in the blog post for this episode. It includes a simple grounding technique that will help you connect with yourself in the present moment. Basically, it's this. Three simple steps. First, plant your feet. Place both feet flat on the floor. Sit up straight, feeling the chair supporting you. Feel your feet touching the floor. Breathe. Inhale slowly while mentally counting to five. Then exhale completely to a count of five. Repeat five times. And notice. Notice what you see around you. Say out loud five things you see, four things you hear, three things you can feel or touch, and two things you smell. That's a very simple grounding technique and You know, there's a million variations on it, but it's helpful just to get you back when you're feeling less than grounded, if you're feeling disconnected from yourself. Here and now, this moment is literally all we have. We truly cannot know what is going to happen next in any area of our lives. Having control is only an illusion. I saw a beautiful quote by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, which read, I say to the moment, stay now. You are so beautiful. But do we really stop and appreciate the moments of happiness we experience? I have found myself in the middle of a joyful moment, worrying when it's going to end rather than just being. Have you ever done that? So how can you feel okay, knowing there's no guarantee of what will happen next? Well, let me ask you, are you safe right now? Can you be okay in this moment? Check in with yourself. What are you feeling? What are the emotions? The thoughts? What body sensations do you notice? What do you hear? How is your breathing? Can you experience gratitude for this moment that you're allowing yourself right now just to feel how you are? Can you be okay right now, even if everything is not okay? Right now, you're safe. In this moment, there's nothing you have to do or be other than just being you. Right now, as you are, without changing anything about yourself, you are enough. See if you can take a deep breath and just let that wash over you. You don't have to do anything else right now besides just be. This is the only moment. There is nothing to think about that happened before and nothing to think about doing next. There's this moment right now. Just breathe into it. And as you're doing this, just being, ask yourself if there's anything you can feel gratitude for right now. Sometimes when we feel really good, it can be a feeling of gratitude for how well things are going. And if there are some things which aren't going so well, or things you're worried about, see if you can find anything that you can feel gratitude for. In any moment, as worried and stuck as I might feel, if I try, I can always find something to experience gratitude for. If nothing else, I'm alive. I'm breathing right now. When I feel critical of my body or discouraged with myself for getting out of my regular workout routine, I can experience a feeling of gratitude that it's not too late, that my body is strong and I don't have any health problems at the moment to prevent me from being able to go ahead and do something active like stretch, take my dog for a walk, do yoga or go to the gym. Sometimes it's simply helpful to notice that right now in this moment, I and the people I love are all okay. No one is hurt or sick, and we all love each other. That can help me stay grounded and present instead of worrying, what if something bad happens? Another practice I find helpful is listening to guided meditations. In the blog post for this podcast episode, I'm going to have a link to a guided meditation I recorded for a loving-kindness practice to help with grounding, gratitude, and creating a sense of safety for yourself and the world. Thank you for listening today. I'm grateful for you. I hope that this podcast has helped you to find a way to create some sanctuary for yourself in these scary times when things can feel really overwhelming. Until next time, this has been Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more, visit Laura's website, lcswc. dot com.